This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And we're counting on you, Lord, to open our hearts, open the scriptures to us, make, uh, make our hearts burn this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if, uh, turn, if you would, please, uh, to Matthew chapter 22. We're gonna be covering these uh, last verses of this chapter in uh, 22. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 22, verse 41, 22, 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, the son of David. He saith unto them, how then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how was he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither does any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. All right, so now we come now to another interaction with the Pharisees on this momentous day. Again, we're looking back on what day this was. Actually, this time period in the life of Christ is very momentous because it really started when Christ arrived into Jerusalem. He had spent most of his time on earth in his ministry in the region of Galilee in the north, where he was really the most received among the people. Galilee was, for all intents and purposes, it was the outcast of Israel. It was the armpit of Israel. It was the place that was so outcast that it was called Galilee of the Gentiles, so por favor. It was so far from what was viewed as the real center 
of happening in Israel, which was Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the center. Jerusalem was the capital of the country. Galilee was the outskirts. It was the most distant region. Jerusalem was the center of culture and education and of knowledge and of music and of literature and of art. But Galilee was just the place of fishermen, poverty, laborers. Jerusalem was the heart of the country. Galilee was like, uh, if Jerusalem was the heart, Galilee was like the toenail of the country. Jerusalem was the place where laws were decided, where regulations were made. Galilee was the place where those laws and regulations were imposed. Jerusalem was the place of the magnificent temple buildings. As the disciples said to Christ, they never said these things in Galilee, but they said in Mark 13.1, Mark 13.1, when he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Galilee was the, they never said something like, see what wonderful fishing nets there are here drying on a, a sandy beach. Jerusalem was viewed as where you should be. Galilee was viewed as where you should not be. Uh, Jerusalem was viewed as, ah, Jerusalem, the joy of the, just the joy to be known that you were born in Jerusalem, Psalm 87.5, Psalm 87.5, and of Zion it shall be said, this and that man was born in her. I mean, to be born in Jerusalem might become, you might become a great leader, you might become a ruler, you might thrive, but Galilee, well, you might be known as, uh, in Galilee as a fisherman and you're surviving. To come from, from Galilee was a ticket to not be great. As it says in John 7.52, John 7.52, they answered and said unto him, art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee arises no prophet. In John 7:41, John 7:41, others said, "This is Christ." But some said, "Shall Christ come out of Galilee, Nazareth, within Galilee, and as a city in Galilee?" And as it says in John 1:46, John 1:46, "Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth?" In short, to come from Jerusalem meant to hold your head up high, but to come from Galilee meant to drop your head low. I mean, this last week I spent with my friend who graduated from Harvard over 50 years ago, and he received an email and he showed it to me from an old Harvard classmate, and he wrote to him about the great things that he had accomplished in his life and congratulated my friend on the great things that he had accomplished in his life, which of course was expected because they graduated from Harvard. But to come from Jerusalem was like graduating from Harvard, where great accomplishments in life were expected, and you held your head up high because you graduated from Harvard, and you told people, I graduated from Harvard. But to come from Galilee was like graduating from San Diego City College. <laughs> where you were told, don't worry, you'll make it somehow in life, just try to fit in, blend in with society, survive because you graduated from San Diego City College and you hang your head down low when you said I graduated from San Diego City College. <laughs> so the difference between Jerusalem and Galilee is like the difference between Mexico City and what I learned about Baja California. Like the time when myself and some other colleagues from Scanabodies 
in Tecate had to go to Kofi Priest, which is the FDA of Mexico, the Department of Health. And that morning, I remember it so well, we went to the tall Kofi Priest building in Mexico City, and we passed, as we did, we drove by, passed by other tall buildings, like the, there's a building there called the Metica in, in Mexico City, which is 68 stories tall. The tallest building we had in Tecate about 10 years ago was three stories tall. <laughs> And they just built the Kumbaya or whatever you call that Indian hotel, which is seven stories tall. And everybody looks up at that. That's towering, you know. I mean, man. So I remember going to the top floor of this tall Kofi Priest building in Mexico City to meet with the head of the health department there, Mexico. And we it was on the top floor. We sat in this large this room with these large windows all around and looked over this vast Mexico City of 35 million people. And then walks in the head of the health department with his entourage of people, for a head of health for all of Mexico. We did our introductions, and the head of our health department asked us where our company was located. And I said, Tecate. <laughs> Everyone in Mexico only knows Tecate because of the cerveza, the beer there. And I still remember the pained look on this man's face. As he said to me, Tecate, he said, isn't that in Baja, California? And I said, yes. And he looked at me and says, what's wrong with you, look? And said, why aren't you located in, in an important city like Mexico City or Guadalajara or Monterrey? Why Tecate? And I looked at him, I said, why not Tecate? <laughs> so because to come from Tecate, you make you feel so low. It made me feel so low I could sit on a dime and swing my legs. It was so terrible. <laughs> I mean, coming from Tecate, I always thought, I thought Tecate was great. I love Tecate. I always thought Baja California is wonderful. But when I went to Mexico City and I saw how Tecate and Baja California were viewed, it was like the backwards Wild West, the uncivilized savage natives there, you know. And Baja California has always been viewed with disdain in Mexico City with a can any good thing come out of Baja California. Baja California is so despised and has been so despised that at the conclusion of the Mexican-American War in 1848, when there was a so-called Treaty of Guadalupe in which the negotiations were going on for how to end this war, and Mexico was offering in the negotiations and very ready to give Baja California to the United States. Baja California was gonna be a part of California for us. And the US said, we don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> Mexico City compared Baja California is like Jerusalem compared to Galilee. And Jesus Christ came from Galilee and he spent most of his time of his ministry in Galilee with the people who hung their heads low because they were Galileans. And in Galilee, Jesus Christ had his greatest reception. And Jesus Christ in Galilee is described in Matthew 4.13. Matthew 4.13 is, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, and in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, 
the land of Zabulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light has sprung up. From that time forth, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the people of Galilee came to Jesus Christ. And that's the picture of Jesus Christ coming to different people today. On Friday, I was traveling from La Paz to Loreto, and we stopped by a roadside stand of a family who were selling oranges and uh, figs and dates and the stuff they had grown there. And I gave the family uh, one copy of my book, uh, Change, Cambialo, which, as you know, describes how I, as a Jew, came to Jesus Christ. And that mother and that father and those two children, they gathered around me when I gave that book, and they said that they would each individually read that book, a Baja family. Earlier this year, I went to uh, San Javier, as you know, which is a poor town of 150 people. That's all there is. It's a mountain town with a very old 400-year-old church. And I gave there, again, I gave a copy of my book, Cambiado, about, about Jesus Christ to a man who was selling fruits under a tree. And a few months later, when I returned there with my niece, and we went to the only good restaurant there. There's only two, and there's a good one and a bad one. But we went to the good restaurant there, and a man who I didn't even know came up to me and said, you're the person who wrote that book. And he read the book. And later I found that man that I gave the book to, he was still out there selling fruit under the tree, and he had a group, and everyone had read that book. And I said to him, well, where is the book? He says, it's in the church museum. (laughs) I said, I don't believe it. And I went over there, and it was. It was there. And that's the way it is. That's where it is today. And that's the way it is today. People who are receptive to coming to Jesus Christ see themselves as like living in Baja, California, like graduating from San Diego City College, like the Galileans. But the people who resist coming to Jesus Christ are, see themselves as living in Mexico City, graduating from Harvard, people coming from Jerusalem. So Jesus Christ has now finished his fruitful ministry in Galilee. He's left behind in Galilee many sons that he's bringing to glory, that he's gonna bring to the glory of heaven. And now in this final week of his life, he has made his turn to come from Galilee to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, when he arrives there, before he even gets into the city, he lifts up his voice and weeps. He cries. He cries in Luke 19.41. Luke 19.41, when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. And as he weeps over Jerusalem, he cries out, piercing words, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, words that embedded into the hearts and the minds of the people, the lost people of Jerusalem that would resound in their minds for eternity, most of them landing in hell for eternity. Those words of Matthew 23:37. Matthew 23:37. oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
Thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city of the hard ground hearts that would not receive him. John 10, 22, John 10, 22, it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. John 10, 30, John 10, 30, he said, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city of the rocky ground hearts that one day hailing Christ as the Messiah and one week later crying out for Christ to be crucified. Matthew 21, 8, Matthew 21, 8, a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Then one week later, Luke 23, 20, same people. Luke 23, 20, Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again unto them, but they cried out, saying, crucify him, crucify him. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city of the distracted hearts of choking thorns that has no time for Christ. Christ, who's disturbing them from what they are have to do today in Matthew 21.10, Matthew 21.10. When he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that will sacrifice their King Jesus. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, so much, so much like Abraham on Mount Moriah, who represented all of the Jewish people of Jerusalem, Abraham on Mount Moriah preparing the altar of wood to sacrifice his son Isaac is like the Jewish people of Jerusalem preparing to sacrifice their Messiah Jesus. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, like Abraham who heard the sweet voice of his son Isaac say to him in Genesis 22, seven, Genesis 22, seven, Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, my father, he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And now as Christ is in Jerusalem, here's finally the answer to Isaac's question, where is the lamb? The question that was answered by John the Baptist in John 1.29, John 1.29, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Isaac, where is the Lamb? Yes to Isaac, to you, Isaac, is the answer. Behold the Lamb, Isaac, which takes away the sin of the world. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city of that now in these chapters that we're studying is challenging Christ with one question after another. And now they come to the Pharisees, their final question in verse 41, verse 41. 
while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. Christ now sees all the Pharisees gathered together and he's still got this heart of, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and he's yearning for them. He doesn't want them to die in their sins. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, why will ye die, asked the, uh, Ezekiel, asked the prophet Ezekiel. Christ's enemies that Christ so much wants them to cast down their weapons of their rebellion, fall down, be like the Galileans, fall at the feet of Jesus in repentance. As God said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his evil ways. Turn ye, turn ye, God says. So now with the heart of a hen wanting to gather chickens together, wanting to gather the Jerusalem chickens together under her wing, Christ, with his one question, is now reaching out to Jerusalem, the Pharisees in Jerusalem, with an olive branch of peace in his hand to stop the warfare. He sees the Pharisees that are gathered together in verse 41, and he sees this group, the Jerusalem Jews, they think they are secure, but they're on the brink of falling into hell for eternity. He sees this group, he sees individuals in this group, and so much like the lifeguard who sits in his tower by the, over the pool, he sees all the pool, the people in the pool, but he's really scanning individuals by individuals. He's looking for that one person that knows that they're sinking, he's gonna throw the life ring to that person, so Christ sees the group of the Pharisees ears, but he's really looking for that one individual. Save our ship, SOS, that's gone. There's no saving the ship, it's rescue the perishing. The Titanic cannot be repaired, it's going to sink. It's a question of those that are in the water and which ones we can pull into a lifeboat. And so he sees this and he throws out the life preserver of his word, wanting for someone, anyone, grab the life preserver it's not necessary for you to die in your sins. And so he asks the question, verse 42, verse 42, what think ye of Christ? What think, whose son is he? What think ye of Christ, he says? That's a question. He's got a penetrating look now, and we can imagine him looking at each person and asking the question that he's really longing and yearning to ask. After all, this is the pelted one He's the one who's been pelted with questions from the Pharisees and questions from the scribes and questions from the Sadducees. And all those pelting questions have been aimed at him as the target. The target of those questions has been to shoot him down and to demonstrate to the people, Jesus is not the Messiah. Jesus is not the God of the Jews. Jesus is not the King of the Jews but as a brave, valiant fighter that Jesus Christ is, he fought off each one of those attacks with a very superb and a very elegant response. And now the dust has settled and all his attackers have fallen back and Jesus Christ alone is standing there. He's standing there in the glory of the truth that Jesus is the Messiah of the Jews and Jesus is the God of the Jews, 
and Jesus is the king of the Jews. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.